honestly, if I look my kids in the eye and I cannot tell them that we cannot conclude on a way to address conversion in FSC, I don't know. I, it leaves me speechless. Hello and welcome to this final special members episode of Forest for the Future. As you may know by now, this week we have been providing you with daily digests of the FSC International General Assembly 2021. In this short podcast, we have given you a recap of what has happened day to day, and today we will cover the last day of the first ever virtual General Assembly of FSC. We will also give you a short introduction to what has been covered in side meetings, which we thought would be relevant for you to know about. But let's start with the recap. I have for the last time invited our director, Kim Carstensen, to join me online to give us his highlights of the day. I'm tired now. It's been a long week. It's been a good week, I think, really. I thought yesterday was very interesting in the sense that we talked about two motions that are both, you could say, about how does FSC engage with nature? One was about ecosystem services. The other one was about engagement in tropical protected areas. And both were sort of welcomed. I don't know whether these motions are going to pass, but what I found interesting was that actually everybody who spoke seemed to agree with the intent of the motions. Mm -hmm. They then didn't necessarily agree with the specific wording or, or the way to do it that was proposed. And maybe, and I think this is something the board would also want to discuss, maybe one approach that we as a secretariat and the board could take to this is to say, okay, there seemed to be agreement on the intent. Maybe not the motion. So even if the motion doesn't pass, should we actually look at that intent and make sure that we get that done and get it moved into our work plans for 2022? Some of it is already there, I think, but maybe mm. not all the elements. So that's something we will look at, I think, in the board meeting in November. And that seems to have been a, a theme of the week, that there's a lot of agreement around the intents behind the exactly. motions. And I think it, it's been characteristic for the whole week that most of the motions and the ideas behind them has been positively received. But then because you cannot change the text, there's something in it that, that hurts a bit and somebody doesn't like it, then maybe they won't pass. But I think it would be a good exercise for the board to have a look at all of the motions, all the nine that we mm -hmm. went through in discussion, no matter whether they pass or not, and see what in these motions would we want to make sure is in our work program anyway. That I think mm -hmm. would be a very good discussion. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to highlight from the day? There was a very heated discussion about conversion. That's nothing mm -hmm. new. We've had heated discussions about conversion the past well, 15 years at least, and maybe even longer. But I, I think, I hope at least, that the discussion actually showed that we are now making real progress in terms of setting the rules, not just for the policy to address conversion, but also for the related frameworks for remediation and how we're going to do these things and how does this fit with the policy for association. There was a lot of discussion about, can we see the documents now? And the board will discuss that. And, and I'm not sure what the answer is going to be yet. But for sure, what is important is that before the General Assembly next year, all of this mm -hmm. will be shared, will be discussed, will be clear for everybody in the membership to know and understand whether or not we are on the right track and whether or not we should do something at the next General Assembly to revise the principles and criteria to do something new with the 1994 rule. So all of that will be done, will be clear at that time. Okay, let's pause there for a second. The 1994 rule, what is that? Well, it's a basic rule that's defined in the FSC principles and criteria, which state that if 
a forest owner has converted a piece of forest after 1994, that piece of land cannot become FSC certified. There has been a call from members at one of the previous General Assemblies that FSC look into this rule. Furthermore, when looking into this rule, FSC has also discovered that we do have challenges when it comes to complicated corporate structures where one part of a company may own the piece of land at the time when it was converted and then sells it to another piece of the company who then actually wasn't directly part of the conversion, but it was still within the same company structure. Should that converted forest land be eligible for certification or not? And who should pay remedy and how much to cover the social and environmental harm that have happened as a result of that conversion? All of this is a part of the conversion policy, which is up for board discussion and conditional decision in November 2021. The policy itself has been out for consultation, but it does have some changes since the last consultation, and that is what caused a strong call for more transparency from the participating members at the meeting. Let's have Kim explain some more. It's about what should happen to somebody who wants to certify land that he or she hasn't converted himself or herself. Should they pay a remedy or should they be free? This is what we call the ownership loophole. And the board has found what they think is a good formula for actually giving them some responsibility for providing remedy for the conversion that happened, even though they were not responsible for the conversion. And that members have not seen that. And I think that was what triggered the interest in seeing something before the board approves a policy, which everything else in the policy, the members have already seen and they've been consulted three times. And that decision that the board will make will then be a conditional decision. Correct. The policy can only be implemented. It can only become operational if it gets some additional elements added to it. And that is the remedy procedure and the remediation framework. The policy says we must have one and it's got to follow these directions, but the framework itself needs to be developed. It has been out in consultation, will come out in consultation again next year and will be ready by the middle of next year. That's also a board decision. So the board can decide all of this. What is not a board decision is the conversion policy can only then be implemented. It has all of these extra rules, but it also needs the principles and criteria to be revised because the 1994 rule prevents or prohibits that we do all of these things. So there needs to be a change to the principles and criteria. And that's something membership has to decide because nobody else can. And that would happen at the General Assembly next year. I'm so sorry. Complicated stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess that's also why it's taking us a lot of years to figure this one out. It's been a while. Yes. Before we leave this topic, I'd actually like to hand over the microphone to three of the voices that we heard at the Friday event on conversion. You will be hearing from Marcus Colchester, who was part of the policy and technical working group related to the conversion policy. Then you will be hearing from Sean Cotman, who is a member of Environmental North and who's also part of the FSC Policies and Standards Committee. And lastly, you will be hearing from board member Ralph Smith Learman, who's responding to the question of why FSC isn't just pushing this decision to the next board meeting and giving members a bit more time for transparency and for digesting the documents that were presented at the meeting on Friday. It's all too easy to visualize if those other loopholes don't get properly closed, how this process can be abused. You can have one company trashing forests, 
converting away and then passing those properties or concessions over to another company that then claims that it's a do-gooder and comes in as as an FSC certified operator. That would be a terrible thing if that started happening because we haven't closed our loopholes. For the companies themselves that are in good faith and are operating on the ground um, in areas where there has been conversion, they want to have good relations with the communities. If those communities have suffered land expropriation without consent or worse human rights violations, there has to be a decent mechanism to address that. Look, I was probably one of the biggest skeptics in the organization that this process could deliver anything. I'm still somewhat skeptical, but far less so because I can see the elements, but I do that from a privileged position because I sit on PSC and I see all the documents. And I think that this will stand and fall in November next year on the transparency of the process. And at the moment, the process is not fully transparent and it needs to be. This has been a very long process. Some board members have the institutional memory of what has been going on. And definitely BM90 in end of November will be the last board meeting for some of us. And as of January 31st, it will be a new board with six entirely new members and six members that have had now two years into this. So part of the thinking is we're talking about not approval, but conditional approval. We would like to hand over to the next board a more conclusive version of the policy, including all of the public consultations, all the input received from the different parts of the working group, technical and policy working group and stuff. So we, I think we're all in agreement. We want transparency, but at the same time, we need to move forward. Honestly, if I look my kids in the eye and I cannot tell them that we cannot conclude on a way to address conversion in FSC, I don't know. I, it leaves me speechless. So this is our best intent to try to wrap up a package of institutional memory that we outgoing board members have, pass it on to the next in the best possible fashion to try to enable their success, trying to ensure all of the transparency that we want. We still have another year until the GA 2022. So that was a lot of conversion, and I'm sorry, we are going to return to the topic one last time as we dive into the site meeting overviews, because I will also be giving you a brief highlight of the conclusions of the white paper report done by Richard Donovan. But before we get to that, I ask him, is there anything else that we should be remembering the last day of the General Assembly for? I, I think Friday ended on a high note. 
And the week ended on a high note, and I was extremely happy for the team who have been working so hard to make this happen, for the IT folks, secretariat, all the people who sit behind each of these meetings and actually make them work. It's so complicated, and I don't want our members to know how complicated it is, but it is. So I was so happy that it went really well. I thought Barbara, our board chair, made a really good speech at the end, and I was very happy to see many of our members, even some of the members who are normally quite critical of things that we do, come out in the end and say, this has been a great week. We've really learned something. It's been a very well-organized event and stuff like that. So I think we came into a place where we can now look ahead to the General Assembly 2022, which is going to be an even bigger investment of time and effort. Before we get to that, we all know that tech and virtual meetings can be a challenge, and the FSC General Assembly was not an exception to that rule. I picked up a few clips that I couldn't help but smile about, and let's see whether the same goes for you before we get to that recap of Barbara's fantastic closing speech. There was, uh, I don't know what happened. I hate <laughs> this Zoom thing. It never works as I want. Hello. 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 Hi, Ravi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Would you like to make your contribution? Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, yes, we can. Can you hear me? Hello. Ravi, I can think we... Oh. No, you can hear me. Okay. We can hear you. Please go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. This keeps doing something, which I will have to stop touching. Twelve of the interim national standards were approved, and something is happening here. This is going forward not at my behest. Let's see if it just went by itself. Can someone help? <laughs> help. So we did have some tech challenges here and there. Not many, I have to say, and it wasn't all bad. I will let our long-term member, Dirk Ristenblad, summarize what he felt like at the end of the first ever virtual GA. Before we all vanish from the screens, I, for my part, would like to thank for the excellent organization of this first virtual GA that FSC ever had. I really appreciated the help and the organizational framework that we have all been using over the last couple of days. So staff, thank you so much for all the work you've put in. Let's hope that we meet in person at the GA in 22 and uh, then have the party that we actually should have tonight together. And then luckily, I think, as a relief for many of us who are usually going to FSC General Assemblies, John Ramsay's subtle British banter didn't go completely missing, even though he was moved to a virtual setting. Grant, Grant, you have a different hand, color hand when it's raised to anyone else. Is this a, is this a Greenpeace thing? I don't think so, John. I don't know how I've got that color. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm just not sunburned yet. My hand isn't seeing the sun enough. Yeah, it is a bit pale. <laughs> Enough joking. Let's hear from Barbara Bramble, the chairman of the FSC board, for the recap of her closure of the FSC General Assembly 2021. Throughout 2020 and 2021, we've certainly been dealing with challenge, especially the pandemic, and it's forced us to adapt and to innovate. And this week is a prime example of that. With this being the first ever virtual General Assembly, we've had to learn how to do this. And we've had challenges every day. But even with all of that, 
I want you to know we've had over 700 registrants and seen them in the many various sessions that we've had all week. Because we will have an extended voting period, we don't know at this time, of course, which motions will pass and which will not. But right now, I want to assure you that the board and the secretariat have been listening to the sessions and to the discussions, and we've heard the points raised both in the chamber discussions and in the plenary, and we've heard the support statements for the good intentions in all the motions. We believe that the vast majority of these good ideas are already embodied in the global strategy, so we can continue to move forward on them. With our first virtual General Assembly now safely under our belt, I'd like to take the time to thank every one of you who've made this year's pioneering effort a truly special one, especially to those who've joined during early and late hours that are tough for you all this week, and to those of you that have spent the last year and a half, almost two years, engaging in the many motion discussions, the sessions, with your chambers, the regional meetings, and much more. As I look forward toward 2022 and beyond, I feel both a sense of urgency and a sense of optimism. We urgently need to focus and commit to becoming better stewards of our forests by working together. This is not always easy, as you know, and there will be bumps on the road, but my optimism comes because during my seven years on FSC's board, I have seen that this organization and the people who support it do just that time and again. Our FSC character is to keep collaboratively building solutions for our forests and all those who depend on them together. My hope is that this General Assembly offers us the opportunity to strengthen our commitment to one another, to our forests, and most importantly, to our future till we meet again. Take care. The board will already this weekend discuss what did we learn from the GA week? What did we learn from the whole process that led up to it? And they will continue that discussion in November with a view to making sure that we have a very good proposal. We will share that with the members for what is next year going to look like? What are the different steps? What are the different meetings? What are the deadlines going to be for the process that will happen next year? We will maintain a lot of the good lessons that we had. We will still have regional member coordinators next year to help members at the regional level to engage in the discussion. We will have webinars we will have chamber meetings, we will have all of these things. What's going to be important is how we structure the motion discussion. Many members were unhappy that this time they could not revise the motions during the GA week itself. I believe, and I think the board believed that was actually a good thing because it created clarity. But could we have had the discussion process up towards the GA week designed in a way so that there would be more discussion and more possibility to make the changes beforehand and to negotiate across the chambers, etc. So that's some of the things we're going to discuss next year. So, Kim, before we let you go and before we let you have a rest after a very long week, is there anything that you would like to uh, say to our members as a closing statement from you? Well, there's one last request. Because there's one thing that we have not finalized, and that's the voting. So we did see good participation in the voting during the week. But please, both those members who came to the General Assembly virtually and those members who for some reason didn't and only took part in some of it, please go and vote. Use your app, use your whatever tools that, that we have made available to you. Do vote and the deadline's going to be by the end of November.
Before we wrap up this final update of the FSC General Assembly 2021, here is an overview of interesting side meetings that also took place today. The topics discussed were, as you already know, how we protect forests against conversion and how FSC fits into the global biodiversity agenda. Now, I know that we've already been discussing quite a bit about conversion, but I wanted to give you one last recap so that we can also hear the summaries of the white paper that Richard Donovan has created on the basis of 84 interviews with FSC members and stakeholders and experts on their opinion on FSC and conversion. But let's start first with the intro to the actual side meeting. At the General Assembly in Vancouver in 2017 in Canada, the membership approved Motion 7. This motion requested that FSC develops a holistic policy that makes it possible to compensate for past conversions and the mechanisms to operationalize this. This compensation considers both restoration or conservation of environmental values and or the restitution of socio-economic values. In plain English, how can FSC contribute to converted areas being restored and the social harm being compensated? During the side meeting, the progress in developing such a holistic approach was presented. This included presenting FSC's policy to address conversion and how this whole area interlinks with other areas, such as the FSC policy of association. One of the things that is striking is that the FSC policy for association mechanism is not common in other certifications systems. And thus the FSC's experience, both on conversion, ownership loopholes, the PFA, et cetera, are being watched as an example, recognizing they're imperfect, but it's really important what we as a system and a family do on these issues. FSE matters. Some of the general agreements that came through in the conversations, my assessment of consensus was that the 1994 cutoff date should remain. Despite concerns about pre-94 social or environmental harm, in other words, harm that might've happened before 1994, Current FSE certificate holders and license holders should not be retrospectively uh, affected. If the organization is proven through forensic auditing to have had management control or beneficial ownership, in other words, it benefited from a conversion that occurred between 94 and 2020, there should be an inherited liability for remedy of social and environmental harm. And the organization involved should have to meet FSE requirements. Large-scale conversion of natural forests or any conversion of HGVs after 2020 should not be eligible for full FSC certification. That was reinforced by many of the interviews. And lastly, organizations and individuals responsible for large-scale conversion or conversion of HGVs should not be FSC members. One of the things that I feel quite strongly about after examining these things is the importance for all of the solutions that FSC proposes to have credibility Use independent panels, use professional forensic audit, use professional conflict resolution, eliminate the 51% rule because 51% isn't really what determines control. And lastly, strengthen the RFSC regional office's expertise and their decision-making role in resolving cases. The extent to which FSC engages and uses the regional offices as part of this, if everything goes back to bond, it creates a problem, a credibility problem, a stakeholder engagement problem. Complicated stuff, 
won't stop being complicated, but my impression is that FSC is moving in a good direction, but the devil is in the detail and we still have work to do. Thank you. The FSC team presented a new approach towards an overall FSC remediation framework. During the meeting, a panel formed by three members representing different chambers talked about FSC approaches towards conversions, FSC's role into the global restoration and conservation agendas, and what a fair and feasible remediation for organizations that have acquired converted areas could look like. No doubt that this will be an area followed with great interest by members of FSC and by the outside world. That will surely also be the case for the topic of the second side meeting of the day, which focused on how FSC fits into the global biodiversity agenda. In the side meeting, members learned more about the global biodiversity agenda and were brought up to speed on the first meetings on the Convention of Biological Diversity this month, with the second part of the COP15 to be followed next year. Speakers also illustrated FSC's effort and involvement in the process to develop and implement a post-2020 global biodiversity framework. With biodiversity being recognized more and more widely as a crisis equally important to address as climate change, and as FSC develops tools and services that can help forest owners monetize biodiversity protection and enhancement, FSC's role and efforts in the global biodiversity discussions will be more important than ever. If you are interested in diving deeper into any of these side meetings, you will find links to them directly on ga.fsc.org. Or, if you are a registered participant of the General Assembly, you will find links in the email digest that is emailed to you daily and should have already landed in your inbox. Thank you! for listening to today's update. And that also marks the conclusion of the FSC General Assembly 2021. I hope that you've enjoyed these updates. If you would like to hear more from FSC in terms of what we're doing on innovation, both within technology, but also more broadly, I encourage you to start following Forest for the Future, the podcast series that hosts these updates, but that normally cover much broader topics within FSC. I also hope that we get to see each other live and in person at next year's General Assembly. Until then, take care. I am Laura Worm, and this was Forest for the Future.